When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Welcome back to Draft Fights. My name is Walter, and in today's episode, we're talking about the Detroit Lions. Right? We're going to bite kneecaps, talk about the Lions, talk about Dan Campbell and Holmes and their draft rolling in because GM over there, Brad Holmes, he kicked a booty today. I say today. Kick booty on this draft. All right. So Holmes, right off the bat, right, they uh, they trade for Jared Goff. They get two first-round picks. They trade away Matt Stafford, right? Let's do a little bit of a recap. Don't have to go too deep into it. But just a reminder as we go into this draft class, this is what's happened with the Detroit Lions. Uh, so they, uh, they're picking at seven. A little bit of rumor that they might have been willing to trip to four for some reason with the Atlanta Falcons. They had a little call. It was on the, you know, there's like a little bit of behind the scenes cam action where apparently the Lions called them up and they were like, yeah, no, we're, 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 yeah, no, we're making the pick at four. Don't, don't worry. I think that was some tomfoolery. I think that was Brad Holmes being Brad Holmes. But, so what is Brad Holmes doing? So, at pick seven, they uh, they keyed in on three guys they really wanted, right? They hinted. Uh, they actually hinted that at least one of those picks was also an offensive lineman. Um, one of them was Penny Sewell, who they took. And one of those was another position. Um, but listen, they took Penny Sewell. So that's what we'll focus on, right? I think maybe one of them might have been wide receiver or Kyle Pitts. We will see. Maybe never. Uh, but they felt like Penny Sewell was a transcendent talent, and why shouldn't they, man? This man is a big, moving bear, nice and jolly, uh, tough, athletic. He opted out. They said it wasn't a decision that was very easy for him. Turned out, um, it turned out to be the best thing for him. They went through the process. They didn't penalize players for opting out. They liked what they saw from him on tape, the, the athleticism, the ability to move. In fact, uh, they said they couldn't remember a guy with his type of feet before, just like the athleticism, the ability to move with that body and that skill size and that size. And just like, they were like, this is good. Toughness. They hinted they might have been willing to take Slater if it wasn't Sewell there. But again, they took Sewell. Uh, but it might not have been Slater. I'm just saying I think it was Slater because that's a guy who everybody seemed to be very high on uh, outside of Sewell at tackle. Uh, right now, Sewell compete for the right tackle spot, right? So... Going in, they went to the trenches. In fact, they did that three picks in a row. Trench warfare. That's how we're doing it in in, in Detroit, folks. Trench warfare. Wow, this is the closest I ever got, man. You could probably see my boogers on that one. Sorry, folks. Uh, don't rewind. Don't don't spend the energy doing that. Uh, anyway, yes, they took Levi Wuzuriki in the second round. Lim McNeil in the third round. Right, two D tackles. Uh, Levi Wuzuriki, two hundred and ninety pounds, quick, athletic. Uh, Washington D tackle, uh, and, and they were they were keying in on him. They were willing to tra- they might have been willing to trade up into the first for this guy. They really liked him. Um, he, he's gonna be a gap shooter for their defense, man. He's he's got that speed. He's gonna be a three tech going upfield. They want a guy who's gonna go and get for the quarterback. They liked his instincts. They liked the way he found the ball, the power, the speed, and the way he can run for a two hundred and ninety pound man. So. Holmes ID'd him early in the process. He made an effort to get him sooner. That fell through. Uh, and personality, he, he's got fire to it. They like it. Uh, he had a little bit of a press conference. I recommend you go look up the press conference uh, for Levi Onwuzuriki, the, the prettiest name, I think, in their draft class. One of two, because I think Ifetu Melefan also has a very fucking sexy name. Um, 
but yes, Eliva Onguzuriki, right? They, you know, he had a very fire uh, presser you should go check out. Uh, and it kind of gave a hint as to what his fire is. Uh, they said he was worthy of a first-round pick. Now, we all say that about every player, but I, I, they really felt, I do believe they were willing to trade up into the first round. Uh, they did hint that they were willing to trade up very high for him, and it just kind of never worked out. Lynn McNeil was the other D-tackle I mentioned, right? Uh, kind of more of a nose uh, tackle, right? 6'2", big, 3'12". So, again, we're talking about like a 20, 30-pound difference between these two guys. He's able to move for a big dude, right? Um, both these guys have versatility, right? With Levi, you might be able to play him at DN, very similar to how Trey Flowers can kind of be used as both a D-tackle, DN kind of a player. Uh, so you can get a lot of uh, a lot of rotation amongst these guys at different positions. Uh, Alim McNeil is kind of like, hey, he's like a typical nose or no shade, right? You can play him at zero or one tech, right, uh, right over the center, right over the, 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 just off the center, and be able to eat up blocks potentially. Um, you know, they talked about the difference in scouting D linemen in some schemes. You might have a guy who's a two-gapper, right? A guy whose job is to, to be square and be firm at the point of attack and hold the line. Hold the line, everybody! That, that's kind of what you were expecting with the last uh, team, right? But Danny Shelton and Trey Flowers, guys were going to go ahead and two-gap and hold their hold their line, hold their gap, make sure you can't run on them. The, I, there might be a little hint here that maybe this uh, scheme is a little bit more one-gap, a lot of get-up field, you want explosiveness, um, because both the guys they took were very explosive. You know, you could play uh, a Lynn McNeil at three-tech, and actually I was kind of intrigued by that concept, right? Like, if you had like him as a big three-tech, I think that'd be an intriguing move uh, because he can get guys back, and so can Levi Wuzuriki. And I think there's some question maybe Levi Wuzuriki maybe can play D-end on some teams. Uh, Levi came from a defense in Washington that sometimes ran a lot of, like, oh, we're going to drop eight and rush three, and he had to get through through a lot of a mess uh, on the defensive line, on the against offensive linemen and get a lot out of uh, double teams. And, you know, if he's able to go ahead and create the pressures he got, at, you know, getting double teamed a lot and kind of being in this weird, you know, three-man rush, I think, you know, again, if you're on a team that probably isn't doing that, has some solid coverage, he's going to be coming, he's going to be a very tough guy to block up. And, he, you know, if he gets matched up one-on-one -on -one with somebody, which I think is the plan, he's going to create a headache for some offensive linemen. Uh, you know, again, his his movement ability, his speed, his, his straight bull rush ability, he's going to knock some dudes on their booty. So, uh, between Alim McNeil and, again, like, you know, he hasn't played nose tackle very long, previously played running back, linebacker, baseball player, baseball player, baseball player. Yes, he was a baseball player. I don't know how it has anything to do with this conversation other than he played baseball. Um, you know, and he looks like a square two-down run stuffer. No, that ain't the truth. He's a, He's got pass rush to him. He's got a good first step. He's got... He's going to create a little bit of pressure on the inside, too. You know, I, I, there's a lot of talk. Maybe he's like a discount Vita Vea kind of deal. Um, you know, he tested very well for a man his size, which is, like, again, like 320, kind of big dude. Uh, again, I, I he's got some pass rush moves to him as well. He's got a, a solid hand usage. Uh, you know, again, clearly interior pass rush was something they were looking for. They set it in their presser. They want to pressure the quarterback, and doing so through the middle is sometimes the best way to do it. Remember, they traded for Michael Brockers. They got a lot of interesting D-linemen, edge rushers on this roster, so I think it's a very good uh, maneuver to go ahead and get two D-tackles on day two. Day two was not finished yet then, folks. 
They took a Fetumelefangu out of Syracuse, right? A Fetumelefangu, they called him Iffy, which is kind of a weird nickname. Like, ah, oh, that's my buddy Iffy. He's a little Iffy. I don't like that. An Iffy corner? No, we want a good corner. He is a good corner. Fetumelefangu is a good corner. He's not an Iffy corner. He's a good corner. Uh, at least in my opinion. I liked what I saw from him, especially if you go ahead and watch him play uh, North Carolina. He, he went up against Diami Brown, guy winning the third round as well. But there were people talking about him as a, a second or third, uh, second round pick or even potential top 50 pick. Um, good movement skills at face by Fetu Melifamu, right? He's, he's got, again, like he's got very good movement ability, very good in off coverage, very good in off man, off zone. And if you're good at that, now we're just trying to teach you how to jam guys in the line of scrimmage if we're having you play press. A lot of guys, you know, a lot of people look at him, they look at his size, like, oh, he's a, he's a press man corner. I don't think so, man. Like, if you look at what he did really well, like, yes, he could definitely be a very good press man corner, but that wasn't even what they were requiring him to do at Syracuse. Now, granted, Syracuse was probably not utilizing any of their guys very well, but that's besides the point. If he, I, if etu, if etu me le fan wu. Oh my God, the sexiest. Like you just say that. It sounds like music. If etu me le fan wu. Yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like a French musician. Hey, it's a etu me le fan wu. Anyway, uh, they mentioned versatility again. They have Aaron Glenn there, right? Formerly of the Saints. Uh, you saw the development from all the DBs on the Saints, right? Marcus Williams. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Eli Apple, Janoris Jenkins. They constantly found Patrick Robinson. They found guys to work really well on those on that defense. They found defensive backs they were able to coach up. Well, who used to coach them up? Aaron Glenn. Well, now he's on the, the Detroit Lions as their D coordinator. Um, you know, you know they got Jeff Akuda there. They got Amani Oriwarie. They uh, the the other corner who they had. I just had it in front of me. Uh, Quentin Dunbar, who they signed in free agency, relatively cheap deal. They have a bunch of really good corners. Uh, Corn Elder, Mike Ford, who just sounds like a it sounds like generic corner name. Uh, so the corner room there, I kind of like. And again, you're going to get some real development, I think, out of these corners. Uh, especially with the Fetu Melifangu, who again they, they didn't expect him to be there at 101. So they took this guy again. It's going to be a deep uh cornerback room, about four deep. You know, do they keep Imani? I think they should because I think Imani played pretty well for him last year. Uh, yes, it was under, you know, blockhead scheme. But still, like, there are some translatable features, I think, for this defense, especially on the corner room, going forward into what Aaron Glenn might do because Aaron Glenn came from a defense that did rush the passer really well but also played a lot of man coverage very well. So, uh, again, versatility they looked at, the movement in space. I just – I dig it, the zone and the man skills – uh, let's go to day three, right? They took Amonra St. Brown top of day three, round four. Uh, you know, Holmes mentioned his first exposure to him was when he was with the Rams. You know, again, L.A. Rams out in L.A., USC out in Cali. So you get a little bit more exposure with guys in your, you know, your area, right? So you might have a little bit more familiar with area with the teams. You know, a little bit, you know, talking with the, uh, you know, people who run the, te- you, know, you know, some of the coaches and all. So. Had some uh, some uh, familiarity with him. I liked him on St. Brown, right? Kind of reminded me of a uh, Juju Smith-Schuster coming out. Maybe not as much size to him. I don't think Juju's that big, to be honest. But uh, a bit more stiffer, a bigger, tougher uh, kind of slot receiver, but could also line up on the outside. You know, they mentioned it. You know, Holmes was talking about his time with the L.A. Rams. You look at the receivers of the Rams, right? They weren't star guys. They were all high-floor guys. They all had players with intangibles and ability and willingness to block, and that's what they like about Amonra St. Brown. They don't just like that he's willing to block. He's actually a very good run blocker. 
Uh, he's savvy. He knows how to run routes. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can play uh, the bat, uh, outside and inside at both at the same time. What? What are we doing here? Uh, and in fact, I think he can play very much a Cooper Cup kind of role in this offense. Again, it's going to be uh, you know a lot of uh, uh, you know Anthony Lynn did run a lot of similar concepts to what uh, McVeigh did. In L.A., you know, and they also shared a facility for a little bit. I'm not saying, uh, you know, they shared a stadium anyway. I don't know if they shared a facility, but they shared a stadium. So maybe some of the L.A. magic wore off on him. He's going to come in. And, you know, we, you know, there was a lot of talk about spread concepts. Uh, we'll talk about what Jared Goff said about the offense in a little bit. But, again, I like him on St. Brown. You know, stick him in there. You know, Quintus Cephas there. They got uh, Brashad Perriman. They got Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman are both big speedsters. So you're going to have them go and run nine routes all the time, right? Now, granted, Jared Goff's your quarterback, so you might not always be able to hit those nine routes, but at least they're there. Uh, but you'll have a guy like Amon or St. Brown kind of being able to utilize him, maybe move him around the line of scrimmage, be a quasi-tight end. Plus, you will also have a tight end in TJ Hawkinson, who was a top-10 pick, who, again, I think can maybe make a, a, a step forward in this year. So I think that was fine. Derek Barnes, they traded up for him. They go ahead, they trade a fourth-rounder next year, got a seventh-rounder in this draft class. So they get up, take Derek Barnes. They liked him. They like the intangibles. Uh, you know, they like the old-school demeanor with the new-school athleticism. They dig it. They think, you know, he, you know, he's a football player with talent and intangibles and ability. And this is what they looked for with everybody, the athleticism to be able to do what they want. Again, all the guys that they drafted were very high RAS guys, right? Guys who are very athletic for their position or the combination of their position and size for their, you know, uh, athleticism and size for their position. Uh they looked for football players who have talent and potential to grow, and and they looked for mental makeup. And again, I think that was a big deal for them. So they they went up and they got Derek Barnes out of Purdue, uh, linebacker. Uh, you know, he even mentioned like, yeah, he did rush the passer a little bit, so he's going to be maybe a downfield kind of guy. But he has the athleticism to to move around very well. And then they also drafted Jamar Jefferson in the seventh round, instinctive, smooth, slippery runner uh, out of Oregon State. Uh, so again. I don't think he's going to be a big deal. They did just release Carryon Johnson, right? Now he's with the Eagles. Uh, so I, I don't think that means much. I think it's more of their belief in Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. And, yeah, you know, maybe this third-round guy, you know, maybe the seventh-round guy is going to compete for a spot on the roster, uh, maybe as a returner because, again, I you know, I carry on Johnson, great out of the backfield, but he wasn't really much of a returner kind of guy. You know, I think they're looking for – you know, guys who can maybe come in and compete for roles on this on this offense and on special teams. That really wasn't something a carry on was a very big contributor on, as far as my memory goes. Um, so, a couple other notes, right? They get rid of carry on Johnson. Uh, it does sound like DeAndre Swift's going to be a big part of this offense. And I I, I mentioned uh, uh, Jamal Williams. I think they could utilize both those guys out of the backfield at the same time, and very much like how Jamal Williams is utilized with Aaron Jones out of the backfield at the same time sometimes in uh in early on LaFleur career his first year there he had Williams and Aaron Jones coming out and Williams would be blocking and then this one would be blocking and catching out of the backfield and I think both those guys they have pass catching assets to them so 
I think there's something to like here about the weapons they have. Um, other notes from uh, some of the pressers, uh, it doesn't sound like they'll be trading back too much or trading down because they mentioned that they'll, you know, if they see a player that they like on the board, they're not going to trade down. Usually what that rings to me when somebody says that is that, because again, most of the time there's a player you like on the board, right? Like, eh, you know, if there's a player we like on the board, well, you probably like somebody if you're on, you know, second round, there's probably somebody in this draft you like. So, it doesn't sound like they'll be big on trading down. It sounded like they were definitely more eager to trade up. Remember, they mentioned potentially trading up for Levi and Wuzuriki. They mentioned they had players they wanted to trade up for multiple times. Uh, they only had six picks in this draft. In fact, ended up getting a seventh when they did the weird trade with uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, maybe potentially affected their reasons for why they did or didn't trade up or down in this draft class. Uh you know, now you look at their D line room. Uh, you know, Tyrell Crosby, right? They went ahead. They dra they drafted uh, Penny Sewell. They have Taylor Decker. Ha uh, Holly Pui Tui Wada Wada Vitae is now going to be the right guard. They have Ragna, who they extended to be their center for the future. Uh, and Jonah Jackson, left guard, has played really well last year. So again, he's going to be going to year two. So they got a cheap left guard. They have Vitae. They have a cheap right tackle. They have Decker, who got extended. They have Ragna, who's extended. D line room's also looking kind of sick too, right? Uh, you know, they have uh, Romeo Cora as their their edge rusher. Gave him an extension, thirteen million dollars a year. They drafted Alim McNeil. They drafted Levon Wuzuriki. They have Michael Brockers, who they trade for from the LA Rams. They have Trey Flowers, who was you know signed in free agency a couple years ago. I'm sure they're gonna get some usage out of him and maybe trade him a year or two down the line if he doesn't really work out for them. Uh, Julian Aquara. Romeo Cora's brother was drafted last year, so maybe he takes a step forward. Deshaun Hand still on the roster. Nick Panasini uh, is still on the roster. Nick William, uh, John Panasini is on the roster. D-tackle, kind of more of a run stuffer for him. And I think he was actually a late-round guy or maybe even an undrafted dude last year. Charles Harris, a reclamation project, formerly of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, maybe a rotational dude. So D-line looks kind of fun, right? It's a lot of fun, interesting, movable pieces on the D-line. Uh, linebacking room is kind of interesting as well. Alex Anzalone follows uh, Glenn up from the uh, New Orleans Saints. Again, Alex Anzalone, when he's been on the field, has been very good. I think he's going to be more there as a player's coach, and maybe if he gets to come in and be healthy, he will be fine. He probably, you know, again, he had a lot of health issues when he was in New Orleans, and in fact, that's why he fell to third round in the draft when he came out. Um, Jamie Collins is still there. He was a free agent signing from a couple years ago. Um... I think they actually had an opportunity to get rid of him. I, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, I didn't pull that up. Uh, Jelani Tavai, a guy who they drafted a couple years ago as well. So they have an interesting linebacker room. Derek Barnes is there. Uh, I think the linebacker room is okay. I'm not overly worried about it. Maybe they get like a resurgence for some of these guys. Uh, like a Demario Davis kind of return to, to style or play. Uh Again, corner room, I like a lot, right? When you look at this corner room, Jeff Fakuda, Amani Oriorie, Quentin Dunbar, Efetu Melifanwu, Corn Elder, and then you have a guy named Mike Ford. Uh, my biggest worry, and the thing that I, a position I thought they would address sooner in this draft, and they never addressed it, to be honest, I think, was uh, safety. And maybe this is why there was a little bit of talk about maybe Efetu Melifanwu uh, would be, you know, position versatile, maybe play safety for them a little bit. Um, because Will Harris, Tracy Walker, C.J. Moore, Dean Marlowe, those, those, those are the safeties. They're guys who, like, you know, 
when they got rid of Glover Quinn, like these were the guys who like uh, Patricia was like, ah, these are guys I kind of like on the roster, and they never really did a lot for them. So I am a little intrigued to see what they do as far as safety goes. If somebody gets released, somebody who they kind of like, maybe fits their scheme or becomes available, maybe they go after somebody else who can play safety for them. Maybe they do like the guys who are on the, the roster right now for safety. So, again, uh, I, I think that they will probably address that position somewhere down the line, if not this year, maybe next year. Uh, but defensively, I like the the D-line. I like the corner room. Safeties need a little bit of work. Linebackers I'm not too worried about. Let's talk a little bit about the offense, right? Listen, I think this is going to be a fun offense. I really do. I, I don't know if Jared Goff's the best guy to get the ball to Prashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams and Quintess Cephas, but, you know, Amara St. Brown's going to actually be a very fun piece for them. Um, Williams, Perriman, and Cephas are all going to be at least Perriman and Williams are going to be deep threats, and Cephas showed a little bit last year. So, again, you have a lot of pieces there. Khalif Raymond, I could see them trying to utilize him as a gadget role kind of guy. So, uh, Geronimo Allison, uh, you know, really kind of more of a, a guy who we thought was going to be big in Green Bay and then never turned into anything. But now he's competing for a roster spot here, maybe as the third or fourth wide receiver. I kind of like the idea of maybe Geronimo Allison you know, having something like, again, like if you find a way to utilize him you know, we saw Robert Woods kind of develop uh, both in Buffalo and then over and, and really take a leap forward with the LA Rams. Um, the tight end room's kind of fun too. You have TJ Hawkinson, Darren Fells, both tight ends have been, uh, you know, fun, uh, different ways of good, right? Darren Fells has been a, a solid, solid tight end in the past, right? Solid pass blocker, kind of catch out of the backfield, be like kind of like a, a safety net. And TJ Hawkinson was a top 10 pick. Maybe you see a little bit of development from him, right? There's talks already about uh, Tyrell Crosby being traded. We talked about uh, the running back room a bit. Again, you know, it's weird they couldn't get anything, even like a like a seventh round pick for on Johnson or a pick swap, nothing. I don't know. I think that's a little weird. Because uh, I, I know like the I know Miami Dolphins made a claim for him, so I'm shocked the Miami Dolphins didn't even make a call for him or something. They really wanted a guy like him. Uh, Drake Jackson was a UDFA who they took and picked up, and I kind of like you know I like that pickup be the backup for uh, Ragnell. He's not a big center, but again, it's a solid backup to Ragnell. You know, and, and just kind of fill out that offensive line room. Uh, I'm a little shocked that they're looking to trade Crosby, but I think it's kind of like. Banking on the fact that you're really not going to play him. He played a bit last year. Maybe teams have gotten a shot to look at him and be like, you know what, we want a guy like him on our roster to come in and compete for a spot. So I get it. I don't know who you're trading him to. Uh, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers because they did not address their tackle position very much uh, in the draft. So overall, I kind of like what we see here. I, I think this is going to be a team that's going to come in and compete. I think there's going to be times where you're going to be like, oh, wow, like this team, what the heck? They're going to be like the, I think they're like the Carolina Panthers were last year, right? They're going to go in, they're going to go ahead and make some teams really fight for their wins, right? This isn't a pushover team. Uh, I actually think there's some teams that they are way better than. When I look at this roster, I go, I can see ways this roster wins. Like, Amandre St. Brown, again, I like the player. Tyrell Williams and Prashad Perriman, like, those were guys that, you know, Prashad Perriman was a first-round pick. Tyrell Williams was a free agent uh, bust for the Raiders. But, again, he was a big uh, player for the Chargers a few years ago. So, again, familiarity with uh, with Anthony Lynn. 
DeAndre Swift, I know they're going to be utilizing him out of the backfield. I think there's going to be a lot of spread concepts. Remember Austin Eckler uh, out in L.A. Now they get DeAndre Swift. I think they're going to utilize him a lot like Austin Eckler, get him a lot of catches out of the backfield. Uh, you remember when Anthony Lynn was with the Chargers, again, McCoy got a ton of work, got a lot of catches out of the backfield. I think there's going to be a lot of targeting the running backs, maybe utilizing two running backs at a time. Um you know, trying to run from the gun, try to go ahead and clear some stuff out. Uh, Tyrell Williams and and Brashad uh, Perriman are going to go deep and take the top off the defense. Cephas is there. Raymond, I think they're going to use Raymond in some very uh, fun, sexy formations. Overall, and again, they have a very good offensive line. Uh, I mentioned it before. Decker, Jackson, Ragnow, Vitae, Sewell, right? That's a good starting five. They're all healthy. That's a good starting five. Drake Jackson was a good UDFA signing. Tyrell Crosby, Evan Brown. I, I think they have some depth here. Again, they're talking about trading away Tyrell Crosby. I think it's kind of I think it's an opportunity to benefit off of a guy who's coming to the end of his contract and to be able to get something else. Again, maybe they find a safety they want to trade Tyrell Crosby for. Remember, I said they don't have safeties on this roster. Uh they have a bunch of random names for safety, right? They they sound like the, you know, the, the names you plug in for like, yeah, we're gonna stick this name here to cover this position. So Corner room is cool. Linebacker room is interesting. Defensive line is sexy. I actually think the D-line and the offensive line are sexy as hell. And Jared Goff is not horrible, right? I Is he outside the top 10? Sure. Is he is he, is he he outside the top 20? I don't think so. So, you know, again, if they get some real usage out of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, I can see this being a very fun team for them. So, either way, Lions, I like what's going on. Keep eating those kneecaps. Just keep it on, keep it on, man. I like it. Dan Campbell, I like the staff he's put together, right? He went ahead. He got himself. Uh, Anthony Lynn is an offensive coordinator. Aaron Glenn followed him up from uh, from the, the Saints. Deuce Staley, running backs coach and assistant head coach, right? He was mad. Eagles aren't treating him well. He comes up, joins them. Uh, they got Dom Capers as a senior defensive assistant. They got Mark Brunel for quarterbacks coach. They This team just looks so good. Uh, you know, the offensive line coach from last year stuck around. Uh, Where is uh, – oh, Hank Fraley, right? There was a lot of talks about him potentially going to some other teams. He decided to stick around, hang out with Dan Campbell, eat some kneecaps. So I like the coaching staff. I like what I've heard. I like what I've seen. All these guys have good athletic profiles for their size and for their position. Overall, I like what the Lions are doing. I'm excited. We should all be excited because it's time to eat some kneecaps, folks. It's Lions time. They might not be a top 10 team this year, but I think they're building. I think this is this is a lot like Flores' first year. I think it's going to be like that first year might be a little rough, but we're going to get to like year two, year three of this, and we're going to be like, oh, oh, I see what they're doing now. I kind of like it. So, if you want, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch, like a delicious drink you drink in the summer or winter or fall or just at any party that you're at, as long as you're not part of a cult. And uh, like, follow, subscribe. Or, you know what, you can drink it at a cult meeting, too. Just make sure there's no cyanide in it. I'm just saying. Uh, like, follow, subscribe. Uh, share it. Also, tune in on Thursday. Right, every Thursday, six o'clock to seven o'clock, I'm on Face Off with Face Meyer with Brenda Face Meyer. It is a great show. It it 
incorporates a lot of the talk we do here, but a little bit more off the cuff. There's call-ins. Call in. It's a fun show. And outside of that, take care now. Bye-bye, Vince. When I woke up this morning, I feel pretty dangerous. I'm about to pass. I'm about to keep it.